Live from Crush Mundangerous. <laughs> There's your cold open. Live from Crush Mundangerous in New York. That is hard to say. <laughs> That's why we didn't name it that. One more try. Live from Crush Mundangerous in New York City. I'm your host, Shane. And I'm your host, Ishan. And welcome to episode 355 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're continuing our series on playing non-human characters and talking about Githyanki. But first, the party gets back in the game, in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, the Kithrak accepts the blessing of Tiamat in the Character Creation Forge. Uh, so Shane, it is, of course, time for uh, Baldur's Gate 3 talk, but this time it's relevant to the episode. Well, I mean, it's almost like this, el- this episode grew out of Baldur's Gate 3. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it later, but there's a reason that it took us 355 episodes to talk about Githyanki because we were not going to <laughs> at all. Sure. Uh, but now suddenly they're popular, and that is mainly because of the Githyanki NPC in Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Lazel, uh, Bazel. Uh, she was my Bazel, but mm-hmm. uh, it's mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because I don't know that it's her necessarily as much as it is just the entire plot. <laughs> you mean people being like, "Wait a minute, this is the first time I'm hearing of Githyanki." Yeah, I mean, I think they're whether you bring her or not. Like, well, I guess you do kind of have to bring her along in order to get a lot of that stuff uncovered. But I think, like, I think it presents it in a really, uh, a, like approachable way like a, 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 a personal way i guess as as opposed to the historic presentation which again we'll get into later the historic presentation of githyanki which is not very approachable in that if you tried to approach them they would murder you right which and is still a lot of the githyanki in the game which yeah i mean that is one of the interesting things about the game is that like they keep that to a degree but you have the MacGuffin of the tadpole that's mm-hmm. kind of like, on one hand, they should want to kill you immediately. But on the other hand, they're like, oh, well, this is interesting and definitely not at all like, you know, something that we should kill you on site for. What's going on here? We've talked before about, you know, there's some things that Baldur's Gate 3 did really well. And I think one was it didn't, quote unquote, humanize the Githyanki. I think the portrayal of Gith- Githyanki culture in Baldur's Gate 3 is like pretty spot on with the lore. Like, you should come away with an understanding of like, oh, this is pretty terrible. But the insertion of Lazel, the NPC, gives you an opportunity to experience Githyanki culture. She's your amb- ambassador, essentially, that keeps you from getting immediately murked. Um, but I think maybe it takes a while for people to realize that she is not a typical Githyanki. She thinks she is, but she's not in that she didn't kill you the second she met you and realized you were infected with a tadpole. Well, I mean, in fairness, like one, she was a prisoner Two, she also has a tadpole and three, right, but, she also but, hasn't turned. Right? Remember, remember, remember protocol is, uh, she goes to get cleansed. You, you don't get cleansed. You're not a get the Yankee. You get, you get murdered. Yeah. But like, get aren't typically presented as like, nefarious about this either right like they have a code of honor or like a sense of like at least a warrior's code so the fact that you freed her kind of 
gives you an in that you don't otherwise have. She's a, she's a life debt. I mean, no, but like <laughs> she's your Chewbacca. She she, she negotiates her release <laughs> in order to you know protect you. And by the way, she also completely sells you out because you're gonna die. Wait, when? Oh, do you not? Did you not know this? Like that's what the the whole like cleansing ritual it kills you. Oh yeah, I, wait. Does she know that though? I think she. Well, thinks I, I don't think she, I don't think she knows that. But it would have killed her to too. Because yeah. she wants to go through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would have killed yeah, her too. But yeah, spoiler. It just it just kills you. <laughs> There's no cleansing. Well, I mean, the that's not how it works in the game anyway. But it it would. <laughs> right. Uh. The the beauty of Lacketh. Which again, we'll 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 get into. Um, but yeah. So, so did you did you bring her along for like your run? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Same. I, I mean, I I had uh I had uh two muscle girlfriends and uh, Shadowheart. Oh, nice, nice. And I brought no other characters, so I did not advance those stories at all. And it was great. <laughs> I swapped out one muscle girl muscle girlfriend for the wizard because wizard, you know. Uh, yeah, I like, but the wizard uh, I is Gale, and I yeah, that's not. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I like I like Gale. Uh, I also like that he doesn't really like he basically disagrees with Lazelle on everything. Like they're sort of polar opposite personalities. That was great. That was excellent. Um, and also I couldn't leave Lazelle behind because like fighter. You know what I mean? Like action surge. She just ends <laughs> fights. She's yeah before they start. Yeah, the problem with Gale is that he's better off in dark urge games because you can just cut his hands off. <laughs> And then wield it, slash eat it. <laughs> so it's been another week, uh, two weeks, I guess. How much further have you gotten? Are you still restarting? Your, are you still trying to catch back up to Act Three after your critical mistake? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I am. I am now in Act Three. Um, I am in a holding pattern because patch five came out, but again, I play on a Mac laptop, so I won't get patch five for probably, I don't know, a few more days or a week. So I'm just like, I'm going to let this simmer because I do not need to deal with memory leaks uh, while I'm traipsing around act three. I'm just going to wait till those get fixed. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought the end of act two was uh, excellent. I was introduced to Dame Aelin, uh, who is a great, mm. is a great character. Um mm. Someone, some, I saw someone be like, oh yeah, she's basically, she talks like Thor. And I was like, she totally does talk like Thor. That might be one of the reasons that I like really like her. <laughs> and I guess, I guess you all now know which direction I went at the end of, of act two, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's nice that you got to meet her because, uh, the first time I finished that sequence, uh, she died before I got there. <laughs> uh, so I got a cut scene about her dying. Uh, as a result because of my of, actions. Because of the bad AI? <laughs> no. Oh, because, okay. <laughs> because of choices I made with Shadowheart's quest line. It killed the village before I got there. So it was like, oh, an important person has died. She has a name and I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, and then I and then I had to be like, oh, what's in there? Oh, Jahira? Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I better load a save and go fix right. that. Say hello to Khalid, I guess. Yeah, well, bad news. R.I.P. I think he died in Baldur's Gate 2. In though. Baldur's That's Gate 2, not... yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. All right. Like, like off-grid, like in a cutscene yeah. before you can play. 
he was annoying anyway. I don't feel I don't even need to make a quip. He just I hated Khalid. My main memory of him is Baldur's Gate One. Actually, my main memory of Baldur's Gate One actually is just him going Jahira. Yeah, exactly. He's so yeah. annoying. <laughs> um, but anyway, from recounting one game to recounting another game, <laughs> where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign? So the Gates of Morning campaign is our fifth edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And high in the mountains, the party is trying to stop the quarry from finding the gatekeeper's seals and unleashing the chaos of Zoriat onto the material plane. Zan has been presented with an impossible decision. Save the elves, trying to escape from Zendrik, but die in the process, unheralded, or save maybe about half of them, and live and be remembered as a hero. And without hesitation, Zan knows his mind. Save the elves and die forgotten. Then our doom is decided, the mysterious woman says. And for the first time, Zan sees her smile, not with joy, but anticipation. She places her hands on the rough stone, searching for something. With a strike that falls like a hammer, she punches the rock, splitting the face and shaking the entire mountain. At my signal, strike this weak point with your glaive. Zan takes position and the pair wait, unspeaking in the silence, watching the storm of giants speed towards the escaping elves. Below, the battle still rages and raft after raft sinks beneath the waves. Finally, the storm passes beneath the mountain. Zan can feel the crackling of immense energy filling his glaive. She's pouring everything into it and he follows her lead. With a single practiced swing, he slices the mountain top and the glaive shatters in his hands. For a moment, nothing happens. Then far below, a rumbling builds to a roar as the very roots of the mountain collapse. The rest of it follows, sweeping away the storm as an afterthought on its way to the sea. The cliff crumbles beneath their feet, and Zan feels grateful for his final chance. Primus did promise the price would be great. But as they begin to fall, the woman, his patron, lunges at him and plants a foot firmly in his chest. The kick sends him flying far out over the ocean and clear of the fallout. As he plummets, Zan whispers, because he knows she can hear him. I never learned your name. Niantis the Unremembered, comes the quiet reply. Tell no one and take it to your grave. Zan hits the cold water at speed, but instead of pain, the world turns on its head, his momentum carrying him up out of the black ooze of Kirzen to alight atop the gate of Earth with the others, very much alive. As he lands, Zan can feel something deep inside him crack. He knows Primus won't be able to save him again. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. So this week we were talking about Gith Yankee, the latest in our series on playing non-human characters. Um, the Gith Yankee are probably different than almost any other of these episodes that we have done because for most of D&D history, they're not like really a playable race at all. At least they weren't really intended to be. They were intended to be the bad guys that you fight. Yeah, like gnomes. Yes, exactly, right. And, and uh, elves and dwarves 
and well, humans. Except that gnomes actually weren't a playable race. <laughs> when, so wait, when could you start playing them? Because I remember, let's see, uh, second, definitely second second edition. Second edition? But, uh, but, you know, I mean, the, there was a controversy in third edition when they were part of the, the PHP. Ooh, yeah. And yeah. now they're just here. They just live here now. That was the kind of thing that people got really cranky about back then, you know? Well, are people getting cranky about Githyanki? Probably not after BG3. Probably not. I, I wonder if in 6th edition it'll be like, oh yeah, you know, Githyanki. People love Githyanki. Why, why aren't they in Player's Handbook 1? Come on. <laughs> from, from inception, right? From their creation, they were astral pirates. Their alignment was listed as always evil. Variable, but always evil. Uh, mm -hmm. you could feel okay about killing them because they were definitely trying to kill you first. That's probably how you met them. They rolled up, like gated in from the astral plane to your village and were like, hey, we're going to take everything you own and kill all of you. Oh, hey, that's, that's way better. And hey, we're going to enslave you on the astral plane where mm -hmm. uh, you'll live forever. So even death won't be a release. And if even if you do escape, as soon as you return to the material plane, all that time catches up with you and you crumble to dust. Mm -hmm. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh so usually when we talk about uh different portrayals of fantasy races we're talking about different settings different mythos different you know uh origins that have been combined but the gith were created for D, D. they only exist in D, D. they are a copyright of wizards of the coast so there's only one set of lore and they don't come off so well no like space spartans but the historically accurate ones not the uh i don't know zach snyder verse ones <laughs> right and not the halo spartans like okay if you <laughs> <Right>. need <laughs> if you need like a world war ii analogy they're like imperial japan if you need an anime reference they are the village hidden in the mist before the reforms right like children kill each other that's how they prove that they're tough yeah also like I mean, Sparta was like a complete economic backwater, right? <laughs> like, like, and their army wasn't even effective. Like, they were just too dumb to like know that they were completely like outmatched by the rest of Greece. So, uh, yeah, they're not great. Um, and this is like from from the jump. Uh, they're they're written as antagonists. So. If you're going to play Githyanki, there are basically three main ways to put them in your game, right? Because if you're not adhering to the D&D lore, that obviously is fine, but you're just sort of playing Githyanki in, in name only, right? Like you could, they could be elves for all you care, right? Like, right, right. Uh, if you're going to play actual Githyanki, you can either lean into the culture, right? Like, hey... You are a warrior for Vlakith and you're out here to kill the Illithids. You can break away from the culture or you can actively fight the culture. And there's, there's a lot of overlap here. It can even see a single individual Githyanki character being all three of these at some point in the campaign. Yeah, like at different times, there's a, there's a bit of an arc, right? Yeah, you start fighting and eventually you uh, realize that it's, it's futile and Vlakith is a god and you may as well just do what she wants and kill your party. Yeah, okay, you get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Lazelle does. Right. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, all right, so 
Let's describe the physicality of Gatienki. Frog bats. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and like, are they always green skin? No, they're kind of like an a uh, orangish, they, brownish they green, off, right? They started off yellowish and they kind of look like mummies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. in first edition, which is weird. But they have, you know, evolved and... Yeah, now they're kind of kind of greenish, yellowish. Same with the githerai, right? Right. Although I think that the githerai now get the the mummy wraps because like they're the monks. <laughs> right. Yeah. So they are psionically powerful humanoids who live ageless lives on the astral plane because that's a timeless plane. You don't age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they make their livelihoods raiding settlements on the material plane and fighting a never-ending plane-spanning war to exterminate every last. Mind flayer in existence. They're still at it. They are xenophobic. They are haughty. They are traditionally evil. And they care nothing for the lives of the lesser races. Um, and not much more for each other's lives either. Yeah. They're, uh, they're strictly hierarchical, right? And that, that's just the nature of it. Right. You do your duty. You prove your strength. If someone challenges you, you put them in the ground. Right. Well, I mean, it's the Astral Sea, so, you you know. Leave them floating on a god isle. With one bullet. (laughs) (laughs) You could, look, I got, I got literally forever to hang out here. I don't need to eat. Yeah. Marooning, (laughs) marooning is tough for Githyanki pirates, huh? Yeah. You really got to like bury them alive with like, I don't know, Formorians? Is that, those Mm. are the, the ant people, right? Yeah. Uh, for, formans? Formans. Formians, that's it. Formians. For, formians, yeah, yeah. Yeah, buried, covered in, I don't know, astral honey, I guess. <laughs> Law, lawful honey. <laughs> yeah. Whatever they like. But I would say, like, the portrayal of Githyanki society in Baldur's Gate 3 is pretty much spot on, right? So the society as a whole is pretty awful but you do have sort of these highlights of individuals who while they may sub- still subscribe to the ethos of the society are you know honorable or you know like that one varsh you meet you know doesn't doesn't want to like crush an egg because it hasn't hatched in time wants to like give it a little time you know they they are um there's a little more leeway they're a little more open to things and you could see like were they not raised in a hyper-militaristic uh, cult, mm-hmm. uh, maybe they'd be pretty decent folks. Maybe. <laughs> May, yeah, maybe. 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 Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, so in terms of their real-world history, uh, these are one of those fun races that were actually created by Games Workshop to sell miniatures. Um, so back in the early days, uh, Games, Games Workshop made D&D miniatures for TSR, and they also published rules in White Dwarf, uh, in White Dwarf magazine for D&D. So they created things like the Slod, and they created things like the Githyanki. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, the Death Knight, was, the Githzerai. Uh, yeah. Lots of very forgettable things and lots of extremely iconic things. Right. Um, and it was, you know, like that was just how TSR worked, right? It was uh, the, the big gaming companies worked together. And so eventually, after an argument over who had the rights to it, uh, TSR finally published them officially in the Fiend Folio in 1981. Uh, the Githyanki are as old as me. 
<laughs> That's pretty old. And you haven't done any plane spanning murders yet. You're behind. Yet. Yet. You know, I did leave that one guy on the astral plane. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to think about it. So the first iteration of them in the Fiend Folio also includes the Githzerai and their eternal war with their cousins, the Githzerai, as well as their history of enslavement by mind flayers and the fact that they're ruled by a lich queen. Uh, and it even just says right out, hey, if any of these Githyanki get too powerful, she just murders them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Vlacket's always sucked. Yep. She has always been... Even before she had a name. Yeah, exactly. Even when she was only their Lich Queen God. Um, and then the Gith have always featured in Planescape, but they weren't a playable race originally. Yeah, remember, the Gith Zerai were. So that that was sort of the split, right? The schism was uh, the Gith Yankee and the Gith Zerai. The Gith Yankee were not the playable race. Race the Githzerai, the monks, right? The calm, peaceful ones carving um, serenity out of the chaos of limbo. They were the ones that you were supposed to play as. And of course, you know, if you played Planescape Torment, you got a lot of backstory about the Githzerai because one yeah. of your companions was one. And also, you got a lot about the Githyanki, although we don't really know how reliable the narrator is given that, <laughs> that he's a Githzerai. Right. So remember, you're likely coming at this character from a position of. Githyanki society is what it is. What is my position on that? So one reason to play is you want to just be in an all Githyanki party. That is, that actually probably would be a lot of fun uh, as like a campaign. Hey, we're all Githyanki. We're all part of a Githyanki war band and we are raiding, you know, or we're on right. a mission or something. Right. Uh, and then, you know, we can either play an evil campaign uh, or we can encounter people who we've been told we are better than and begin to have our minds changed. Or maybe some of us uh, begin to have our minds changed. Right. Uh, you might also want to be feared and hated, but not bullied for it. Yeah, this is, this is interesting, right? Like if you were playing um, like a tiefling, according to like, you know, Forgotten Realms lore or whatever, you're often going to be like shunned, kicked out of towns, people won't sell things to you, blah, 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 all of that. The yay, fantasy racism. One interesting twist to get the Yankee, though, is if people even know what you are, they, will, are, they are likely terrified of you because, you know, your people show up out of literally nowhere, murder everybody, take everything, and then disappear back to literally nowhere. So if there's one Githyanki, like, why would there be one wandering Githyanki? If you're here, there's probably a raiding party and we need to leave. We need to leave. Do not antagonize the, the frog bat. Run away. <laughs> right. Uh, you might also want cool psionic powers. Maybe that you is, only want cool psionic powers. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a core piece of the Githyanki lore. It's a core piece of their rules. Like, great, take the psionics and go. And personally, I think the Githyanki psionic powers, like the baseline ones that you get from your racial abilities, are not necessarily better, but I, I think they're more fun than the Githzerai abilities. Because yeah. like, okay, Githzerai gets shield, and that is obviously a very good spell. But like, jump is silly. I would never take jump, but since I have jump, I'm going to use jump. <laughs> And Misty Step is genuinely good. <laughs> yes, actually very good. And then you know, you both get Mage Hand, but like Invisible Mage Hand, shenanigans. Absolutely. Right. Uh, maybe you want to wrestle with 
deconstruction from a cult or culture or family or whatever it is like that is an extremely viable path for a githyanki character and probably one of the more party friendly ways that you can go is you know those realizations about like ooh, huh maybe i haven't always been told the entire truth uh you might also dislike git society as a person as a player and you want to fight that society that your character was born into from the inside. Yeah, rather than just trying to get away from it, you know, live out your life on the material plane or whatever, you might actually want to change it. Which, of course, is, you know, I want to fight and kill God. Vlacketh. Yeah, I would, I would <laughs> like to destroy Vlacketh, please. Please put that in the campaign. I mean, if you have a gift in your party and they decide that they want to kill Vlacketh, like, I feel like... Well, now I want to now I want to kill Blacketh, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I get, who doesn't want to go kill Blacketh? It's not personal, but your name came on the list. Yeah, and like, wait, what stands in our way? And sorry, an army of dragon riders? Oh yeah, no, this we are definitely doing this. This is Endgame. Yeah, I All get right, to ride uh, the dragon afterward, right? Well, okay, so. You mentioned dragons. Yes, it's opium. It's called opium. We should talk about the physiology of the Githyanki, <laughs> but we should also mention the dragons. The dragons, <laughs> yeah. The Githyanki are the, the soldiers in heavy armor with big two-handed swords on the backs of red dragons. That's the thing that they do. Um, that's part of the lore. It's been there since the very beginning. Hey, they ride on the backs of red dragons. That was in first edition. Mm -hmm. um the deal with tiamat was in first edition yeah. um it's not i mean it's it's an iconic pose right it's valkyries on pegasi right um i'm, I'm sure i've seen a, a conan on some sort of flying beast somewhere right like that picture has to be out there somewhere but it's not a mechanically effective <laughs> technique for the most part sure uh, but like <laughs> does it need to be though yeah i mean there's <laughs> mechanics and then there's the mechanics of i'm not a dragon and you're not <laughs> this is called flyby attack okay right. next round uh flyby attack <laughs> why did i specialize in this sword because it looks so cool right because <laughs> well, i don't have anything to do with my hands um <laughs> I steer physiologically uh, on top of those red dragons, you will have a, uh, a psionic warrior. Uh, they gain mage hand, jump, and misty step, as we mentioned. Uh, they're also resistant to psychic damage because, you know, that's what they do. Right. And, you know, if one of the main purposes of your life, your eternal life, is to go kill mind flayers, it's pretty handy to be resistant to mind blasts. You might say that there's like a natural selection about this. Hmm, <laughs> like, like maybe their resistance to psychic is why they were able to escape the mind flayers in the first place, historically. Hmm. I think it was the invisible mage hands. Okay, I mean, maybe. Right, just invisibly now you've got tentacles flopping everywhere and the mind flares are like, what, what is going on? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that must be it. Yeah. Now, aside from like the way that you look, like Gith Yankee are pretty typical humanoids, except for the one little fact that many of them live on the astral plane where mm -hmm. you don't age, you don't need to eat, and you can just float. So, you know, we'll get into lifespan in a little bit, but think about, do you live on the astral? Are you an astral Githyanki? Like, is that where you've spent most of your time? 
Or are you a material plane, Githyanki, which probably means that you're pretty young and um, uh, uh, inexperienced, a la mm-hmm. Lazelle, who is right. really looking to get ascended. Yep. And if you're our astral, how old are you? Um, because as soon as you show up on the astral, you, uh, you aren't aging anymore. But if you stay there too long, depending on the lore, you can't really come back. Yeah, it starts to catch up with you all at once. Um, you think you just have a normal humanoid lifespan, though, right? Like they, I believe they eventually so. just have to stay in the astral sea because they'll they'll die if they enter the material plane. Well, I I think there's a couple versions of the astral plane lore. I think the old school stuff is once you leave, it catches up with you. I don't know that that's necessary. That's not always the case. So I could see that varying from game to game. You should find out which way it is <laughs> in your game. That's important. <laughs> and if you're a Gith, you would know. Right. Yeah. 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 If you're a Gith Yankee. Um, uh, but, and I think the lifespan for Gith Yankee has varied from like, you know, 80 to like 120, you know, but still, yeah, very, very normal human lifespan. Uh, culturally, Gith Yankee, as we've mentioned, are very warlike uh that's their entire social structure is based on like military organization uh and at the head of that organization is the lich queen vlacketh who i i didn't know was not the first vlacketh but it's not the first vlacketh so is that is that lore lore or is that Baldur's gate 3 lore i believe it's lore lore and if not it's gonna be lore lore now you know? Well, yeah, sure, right. Yeah, Flacketh one five seven. That sort of. I would. I would have thought they would at least call her Flacketh one hundred and fifty seven. You know, or Flacketh the one hundred and fifty seventh. But it's just sort of like you know um, throwing out droid names. Right. Exactly. Everything about their culture. Everything about their. Uh, military structure, everything about their combat doctrine, everything about their training is built for killing mind flayers, right? Like everything they do is based on this like racial historical identity and enmity with mind flayers and the, what the mind flayers have done to the Githyanki. And I'll just insert here, like this is something to think about for your world building like if you are not a Githyanki, but you're in a party with Githyanki or you're the GM with a Githyanki character. Uh, I think Morden Kanan himself said, if the Githyanki were not on this like absolutely like fanatical quest to kill every mind flayer in existence, mind flayers would have overrun the multiverse by now. So are they a necessary evil in your game? Maybe. Does their culture have to suck quite so much in order to accomplish the same task? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You play <laughs> to find out. Right. Uh, but really, it's a job more than a culture, right? F- friendships are much less valuable than duty. They're, maybe there are friendships. Maybe you have friendships with other Githyanki. Possibly. But that is absolutely subsumed by the, the importance of the difference in your rank, your place in the hierarchy, uh, and what you are ordered to do by a superior. I was going to say, you know, combat effectiveness is the is the raison d'etre, but pitting children against each other in a fight to the death so that only one comes out ahead is a terrible waste of resources. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you have such a low birth rate. Exactly. <laughs> and remember, there are no families, right? Because of the way that the astral plane works, you can't give birth on the astral plane and children can't mature on the astral plane. So eggs need to be laid on the material plane and then hatched and grown. Children need to grow up into uh, adolescents and adults on the material plane so time can actually pass for them uh, where they do all the training uh, in creches. But you don't have parents. You know, no one hatches you except the Varsh who also may suck and sees you as tools and is trying to gain, you know, favor with their superiors and ultimately with Vlacketh because you are a strong warrior. Mm -hmm. And really, they just need one strong warrior out of this clutch. Right. So better be you. But, you know, that is a meaningful backstory for a character, right? Like if you are a first level Githyanki warrior, uh, you have seen some shit in order to just still be alive. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you have seen and how do you feel about it or how will you feel about it once you allow yourself to feel about it? So let's talk about how Githyanki are received in the wider world. With open arms. <laughs> Here, well, take, uh, take our tithe. Well, it's, I mean, it is interesting because, like, they're not, they're not, like, a common species, like, elves or dwarves, right? So it's not the kind of thing where anywhere you go, like, tales of the gith have spread before you. Um, but certainly anybody who knows mm. what the githyanki are is somewhere between terrified and hateful <laughs> yeah like if any if if they know one thing about you it's that your reputation precedes you and that people don't want to be anywhere around even people who can handle you don't want to be around because like who wants to deal with like teleporting pirates yeah no but interdimensional slavers right <laughs> no and then the the flip side of that is like life for the githyanki has almost no exposure <laughs> outside mm -hmm. of their own society because you know you only ever interact with other groups in order to subjugate them right um and destroy whatever they have you don't negotiate or trade or you know build camaraderie or anything you you appear you raid you pillage and you kidnap and leave um so you know your crash, you know your warband, you know the Astral Sea, but you, you probably don't know much about the other races beyond their inability to defend themselves against your, you know, way OP tactics. Right, and, and think about it, right? Like, the Yankee are not usually gating on top of Baldur's Gate or Waterdeep uh, to, like, attack full garrisons right mm -hmm. like they're they're pillagers they're they're showing up in villages and farms and you know un, undefended settlements so of course their only exposure to people is like ones who die like cattle really easily you know who can't mm -hmm. defend themselves so of course this colors their perceptions and of course yeah the isolationism right like it's very hard to be this xenophobic and like feel racially superior uh, when you have like an integrated society, you know, like the drow live alone and that's why they hate everybody. The Yankee live alone. That's why they can hate everybody. You know, it, it's a theme. Mm -hmm. 
But when you actually do get out in the wide world, which you are probably doing because you're playing a D&D campaign, uh, people are going to be afraid of you or hate you. If people think they can handle you, then they're going to want to chase you off. And this is to be expected. This is probably not surprising. I guess the question is, though, does it bother you? Uh, and does it bother you at first? And does it begin to bother you once you start realizing, oh, well, I'm traveling with people who are, you know, maybe I'm better than my companions or my companions of the moment, but I guess I can see some value or some virtue in them as we travel together and, you know, they have physical might or magical ability or they saved my life and I don't know why they did that and they don't seem all that dissimilar from these other people that we're meeting who aren't necessarily very strong but seem to have the same kind of rich inner lives and oh my goodness what's going on <laughs> i don't think that's a common point of view <laughs> not certainly not at first right but if you're going to play a long campaign where a githyanki you know doesn't like port back to the astral once their immediate mission is done these are things that may come up like you know mm -hmm. what is it what is it like being out here for the first time is this like a militaristic rum springer for you i think maybe kind of you probably aren't very versed in technology other than Githyanki technology. I, I believe, actually, uh, historically, Githyanki don't like to use any tech that isn't Githyanki. And if they have to, then they need to complain about it while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right in the rule book. Yeah. So it's like Europeans uh, riding trains anywhere else. <laughs> well, except Japan. Except Japan. Um. So this is normally where we talk about how Githyanki interact with other races, but they don't really do that in a positive or productive way. So why don't we talk about how Githyanki interact with their own families, if they even have one? <laughs> right. You didn't grow up with one, right? So like, what does family even mean? It's probably not a word that you used much as you probably encountered it out here in the world and people are talking about their family. Yeah, I think you would be hard-pressed to find Githyanki who have any value uh, of family to the world. Like, it, it's, just, it's just not a concept, right? Like, they don't, have, they don't have parents. Right. Like, there was a person who fed you, and then there was a person who trained you. Right. But that was everything. That was it. And your creshmates were the people that you killed in order to survive. So, like... There's none of that. Um, so whatever family is going to mean is going to be something that you learned afterwards, right? That is like antagonistic to the society you grew up in. Yeah. I mean, at, at a certain point, Githyanki is a prime candidate for, you know, one of these found family characters, mm -hmm. if that's the direction that you decide to go in. Right. Um, how about other Githyanki? Because this is one of those things, speaking of Lazelle, that I thought was... Uh, most revealing or most interesting in, in Baldur's Gate 3? Well, totally depends on where the two of you are in the hierarchy. Are they your direct superior? Well, they have absolute control over you. They tell you what to do, you have to do it. They tell you to die, you die. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets a little different if you're in different war bands or if you you are in i guess for lack of a better term like different branches of the githyanki military right like the, there's some stationed on tunarath there's some stationed in uh the material plane i'm sure like two different creches might uh argue over resources or something like that right mm -hmm. but 
for a PC, it probably really comes down mostly to how do you feel about Githyanki society? How do you interact with it? And how do they interact with Githyanki society? And very often, uh, if you disagree, even if you don't necessarily want to attack or kill them, they probably want to attack or kill you. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it was good characterization in, in Baldur's Gate where, you know, Lazelle meets other Githyanki. They're at odds. And she's like, well, you know, I will best them and defeat them and put them in the ground. That's what I will do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, later she's like, it would be nice if I didn't have to do this. You know, it would be nice if we agreed and I can convince them. But in the meantime, I will continue to put them in the ground. I'm the best. Right. <laughs> How do you feel about your cousins? Yeah, that's... <laughs> the only thing that the Githyanki and Githsarai really agree upon is the Illithids, and, and namely how much they need to die. And I, f- I find it interesting that, like, it's rare that we get to see Githyanki and Githsarai interact in, like, an official product, right? Like, you'll have Githyanki talk about how they hate the Githsarai, You'll have Gisser, I talk about how they hate the Githyanki. You see each other through the lens, but very rarely. So I think, you know, a a campaign, a tabletop campaign is the perfect place for this to happen, to have a Githyanki and a Gisser I meet, whether one is a PC or or not, to have the opportunity to maybe team up and kill some mind flayers, right? Because I think that should happen. That would be fun. Um, but then also like to like have the conversation about like, why do we hate each other so much? Mm-hmm. After a certain point, it's sort of Hatfields and McCoys. Right. Uh, in terms of the other races, the you know, especially like the the player character races, they kind of see them all the same, right? They're all lesser than Gith. Um, you know, they they might have superficial differences, but at the end of the day, to a Gith Yankee, they're all basically the same, weak, um, or or at best, naive. <laughs> My favorite Lazelle line is when Shadowheart changes her hair. And Lazelle's the only companion who's like, something's different, but I don't know what it is. Like, I, I literally can't figure it out. <laughs> Which is both funny because like, Githyanki have hair. You know what I mean? Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, they like have hair. They know what hair is. But right. yeah, it's just like, I don't know, you all look alike to me. I can't tell. <laughs> Um, usually they, they see other races as fodder for pillage. Um, and I think while this is really spot on for like being lore accurate, and I think it can set up the beginnings of a campaign for interesting interactions, it's kind of one note and it will get old pretty quickly at a table, especially if, you know, you have people who are like, eh, I don't really want to deal with the whole fantasy racism thing. That's why I played a human. Mm-hmm. You know, and now you got someone rolling in being like, ah, ridiculous, filthy human, you know, yeah. so it's like, okay, <laughs> let, let's, let's speed through this. And can you begin to start seeing us as more like pretty soon? <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about some reasons that get Yankee adventure. You are literally on a mission from God. Yeah. I mean, either from Vlacketh directly or from one of Vlacketh's lieutenants. But if you're ordered to do something as a get Yankee, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why you're here. And, you know, maybe uh, the rest of the warband got killed and now you're just trying to survive out here, you know? So right. let's hook up with these idiots. I'll use them as long as they are useful. Right. Which could potentially lead to uh, escape. Maybe you want to escape Githyanki society. 
the best place to do that is going to be the material plane. The astral is not safe. Mm -hmm. uh, you could also be exiled. That's pretty rare because the you know if you did if you had a big indiscretion, they would probably just kill you. Yeah, I was like the the conditions for exile are uh, pretty unique, I would say, um, and and probably arrived at at a cost of the death of someone else, right? Like, <laughs> like somebody must have screwed something up to exile you um, because otherwise they would have just killed you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like that as like maybe even a secret backstory. Like, I got exiled, GM. Why? How? Right. I don't right. get it. Yep. And you could also be a member of the Resistance working to overthrow Blacketh or whomever really i mean that is one of the things you could change about um the lore is like black it doesn't have to be in charge and like it's even given no spoilers but given like where boulders gate three goes i could see there's the possibility of an advancement of gith yankee lore yeah i mean well just the like it's not a huge it's not really any kind of spoiler to say that like Baldur's Gate 3 introduces the idea that um, the Githyanki are not monolithic in their love of Vlacketh, right? Um, that there is resistance to Vlacketh and there is an, un an undercurrent in their society who don't believe that Vlacketh is a god. Um, and therefore, like, <laughs> might wish to replace her, as you might imagine, in a society built on military ambition. <laughs> right. Oh, and spoiler, just if you're not familiar with Githyanki lore, she is not a god. She's definitely not a god. She wants to be, but she is not. Right. Uh, she's actually eating Githyanki souls because she's a lich in order right. to try to attain godhood, which yes. I don't know, but if you wanted to do another playthrough with that in mind, <laughs> it, it <laughs> puts a sheen on all those interactions. Uh, yes. <laughs> where she's all like, I'm a god. Yeah. Are you? Because I just watched you cast Wish. Right. <laughs> and I know you can't do it again. I know what you rolled. I don't think gods have to cast Wish. Hmm. Oh, well. All right. As for classes you might play, uh, traditionally, a Gish. In fact, a Gish is a Githyanki word, meaning a spellcaster who also fights in melee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, um, a, melee, a melee swords caster. Um, mechanically, I, I, I don't think we're ever really presented with a Githyanki who's like good at it. <laughs> like, it's like, ah, oh, yes. So wielding psionic power and s sword arm. And you're like, well, yeah, they're, they're either bad at both or <laughs> like really specialized. Yeah, ultimately. You gotta, I guess, I mean, Blade Singer is like probably the class for this for Githyanki. Yeah, Packblade Warlock. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, there there are a few options. In, I think, their first iteration, Githyanki Knights were anti-Paladins yeah. in that they basically had all the evil versions of Paladin abilities. Like, they could detect good and, you know, all of that jazz. Um, you can also be a psionic spellcaster. You know, cast mind fireballs. Why not? In combat, they ride dragons. I mean, granted, not all of them, but like you don't have to go too far up the ranks in order to get that dragon assignment. Yeah, yeah. And like the dragons are loyal. Um, They're not ancient 
dragons there. I think I think it's young adults and there isn't a young adult category in 5e, so I would probably say like young or adult, but still an adult red dragon is CR 17. Like yeah. <laughs> young is 10. Like these are these are high level dragons and they will wreck you. Yeah. Um they also are known for their heavy armor. Uh, they're Githyanki greatswords. I mean, even the scrubs have heavy armor, right? Like, Lazelle starts with half plate. Every Githyanki you meet is just decked out in really fancy half plate that mm-hmm. I sell immediately. Yep. Immediately. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just play play Conan. Crush your enemies. See them scattered before you. You know, hear right. their lamentations. That's, <laughs> that's what you want. That's the whole point. Like, Blacketh uh-huh. is like, kill the Mind Flayers, kill the Githzerai, uh make everyone else suffer and steal their stuff i need rubies or something i guess in order to ascend (laughs) there's a gold cost here in terms of skills they are probably less disposed to magic than other uh races might be given that you know psionics are kind of the core uh of of their physiology um so you probably don't have arcana or if you do it's probably fairly unique to you amongst gith um and like how would you research it you guys like you're you're gonna learn it from one of the lesser races those are party tricks you know yeah yeah like you're honing the power of your mind and you know if you're doing the standard 5e thing where like uh psionics and magic are like compatible right they're effectively the same thing still i would i would probably even go like insight over like arcana mm-hmm. honestly you know for like sort of like studying thyself um and then tracking um hunting mm, they don't seem to really go for stealth although you th- would think that would be useful hunting mind flayers but i don't know i guess mind flayers would just be like oh i know where you are i don't have to see mm-hmm. you i just know where you are i can hear your thoughts idiot right yep now you're calling yourself an idiot i can hear that too uh-huh. <laughs> stealth get out of here gloom stalker um magical items you're going to want mental protections i think that's probably that and the silver sword right those are the things that you want um mm-hmm. and i don't think the silver sword even exists in like a non-legacy version in fifth edition D. so like uh talk to your gm you know uh but yeah things that are going to protect you from that mind blast uh oh and just i guess just big helmets just like with lots of straps yeah <laughs> <laughs> right like oh th- sorry this is a five turn doff perfect that's exactly what i want what yeah what, what how do we wrap this up what, where are we on uh on give yankee overall well so this episode is happening because like we're i'm seeing a lot of chatter about like oh i love the Gith Yankee, and this is so cool. And then other people coming in and being like, you don't know the Gith Yankee. They're the most miserable creatures in the multiverse. You know, and the truth lies somewhere in between, right? But if you're going to play Gith Yankee, don't, don't fall for them just because you liked playing them in the game because you liked Lazel one NPC, right? Like, take the Lazel route. Like, she wrestles with Gith culture and, like, whatever eventual decision she makes in your game or whatever decision your character follows in your tabletop game make it weighty because i think this is it's a nice opportunity to engage with something that was originally written to be relatively one note and simple 
um, and to only be one-sided, right? Like mm-hmm. they are bad and so you can kill them. And in the intervening years, it's been more fleshed out, but like it's still pretty bad. <laughs> so, you know, it's a great opportunity to play a real person who is waking up to the fact that everything that they've been told is either a lie or some kind of manipulation. And what do you do with that? Where do you go? And, you know, what, what is, what does the end game look like for you besides riding a red dragon and stabbing, you know, black athena phylactery? And then I think it's also important that if you're going to play a Githyanki, that you play it with um, keeping your mind on how are you going to play well with others at the table, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. How, how, what are the reasons that you're able to go along? Not what are the reasons that you're going to stymie the group dynamic? Right. And it is your responsibility as the Githyanki player to find reasons to stick with the party, to find reasons to not murder the rest of the party. Right. Other people should not be having to convince you of that. And, you know, it may ultimately be that, hey, I can't think of or I just don't think this character would do that. Okay, great. You know, talk to the table, talk to the GM, and it's probably time to retire the character, have them turn into an NPC who attacks and you roll up a new character. Did you hear that, Ishan? Is that the sound of us rolling up new characters? If we're rolling up new characters, then it's time to move on to the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. Ad break goes here. All right. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Kithrak. Ishin, what is a Kithrak? It is a military designation in Githyanki society, a squad of 10 Githyanki soldiers reports up to a something, I don't remember, and then 10 of those uh, reports up to a Kithrak. So they're a centurion. They're in charge of 100 Githyanki warriors. Great. Uh, and, you know, if you play Baldur's Gate 3, you've run into several Kithraks. They're, you know, pretty powerful and strong. Um, this Kithrak, our Kithrak, is, of course, a Githyanki knight a dragon rider. So they ride a red dragon who flies around and breathes fire and they got a big-ass greatsword and heavy armor uh, and uh, psionic powers. That's what they do. All right. Well, what's the build? It is Drake Warden Ranger 15, Paladin 2, Hexblade, Pact of the Blade Warlock 3. Of course, you're going to make it Yankee. Uh, you're going to, I'd start with 16 strength, 16 charisma here. Um, not usually that prescriptive, but that's what we're going to do because we're from right off the bat. Paladin gives us martial weapons and heavy armor. So great. You're wearing your Githyanki half plate or whatever the best armor is that your, um, DM is willing to give you at first level, uh, and a big honking greatsword. And your, uh, fighting style is going to, of course, going to be great weapon fighting. At level two, you're going to get smites. Uh, so what are you doing? You're running around 
basically like a glorified uh, fighter and smashing people in the face with your big sword, occasionally casting spells when they're useful, like detect evil and good or protection from evil and good. Remember, what does protection from evil and do? Uh, evil and good do? It prevents you from being charmed or possessed by aberrations. And what's an aberration? A mind, mind flare. flare. Uh huh. And they also get disadvantage on attacks. I don't know that mind flayers are ever actually going to attack you, but uh, intellect devourers certainly will. So uh, that is, it's going to be a useful spell for you specifically throughout your entire career. Then we kick it over to Ranger. Uh, not typical, I think, probably for Githyanki, although one would think if you are hunting a particular kind of monster, Ranger is the way you go. And we're going to take it to seven specifically. We uh, take uh, the optional uh, class feature deft explorer which gives us expertise maybe in survival for that's that's for tracking um again could be insight anything is fine here you get a speed boost eventually and then uh tireless which lets you remove some of your fatigue at higher levels uh for your favorite enemy of course you're taking aberrations you get two more favorite enemies later i think i would probably take dragons because your dragon is going to want to kill metallic dragons so you may as well help them, right? It's only fair. Uh, and mm -hmm. then for your third one at pretty high level, well, maybe by now you've turned against Vlacketh, so maybe it's undead. Why not? Hmm. Ah, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, you can also take two humanoids. You know, maybe you're still a pirate. <laughs> uh, for a fighting style here, defense is fine for plus one to AC, or uh, you could take Druidic Warrior if you want that guidance spam. And then... At third level, you get a drake. It's always a red, a red drake. Okay, you can summon any color, any like elemental affinity, but in game, it's always red. And I would say, such is your bond with this, with this drake, that you can grant it the powers of a different kind of dragon if necessary. Right? You can be like, oh, I summoned it as like blue right and it has lightning powers or whatever it is still a your same red dragon but you through the power of your bond and your you know sonic might have been like i'm gonna give you some lightning powers right now you can just spit some lightning because you know that'll be cool for right now and useful yeah <laughs> uh also I, I guess to note here like in in the fiction right this drake is small and doesn't have wings yet usually you're just sort of gifted like a a big hunkin red dragon right that's like hey i want treasure um so i guess i'll serve as a mount for a little while so i don't know think of think of like why you might end up with like a a younger dragon to start off with i think probably it's a it's a gift it's an honor right it's or, an insult yeah also also i like that too also could be accident i sort of like maybe you stumble across it on the material plane you're like i mean i can't i can't just leave a wormling red dragon here like for it to get stabbed, you know, like certainly there's going to be a reward for bringing a red dragon back to the other red dragons. I mean, it, you may as well just stay with me, buddy. Okay. Uh, for your first feat, take great weapon master to deal out just, just so much damage, just a lot of it. And then a level five extra attack uh, and seven, you, your Drake gets a fly speed. You can use it as a mount, although it can't fly right then. That's fine. And you'll get elemental resistance, probably fire all the time. 
spells. Hunter's Mark is good. Healing Spirit is useful because it's one of those spells that can be used to heal both you and your Drake. Uh, Pass Without Trace gives both of you a stealth bonus, just in case. That's fun. And now this is maybe a little controversial. Uh, we're going to go Warlock. We're going to go Hexblade for the obvious reasons. However, I think in the future, pretty soon, we're going to see that Pact of the Blade is just going to get the whole charisma to attacks and damage rolled in, so we won't have to go Hexblade. So if you are playing this after that happens, pick something else. I think your patron's probably Vlacketh, right? Like, to, to kick it off. Uh, so Undead is obviously one that works. I think she also works really well as, like, a great old one proxy like she's not from the far realm but like she's like a vestige living out on like the astral and that also right. gives you telepathy so like you know that fits mm -hmm. but for now we're sort of stuck with hexblade and that's okay because hexblade uh gives you shield which is great but really we're not we're, we are here for you know charisma to attack and damage you get that level three yes yes and you can do it with your greatsword at level three really though what we want is we're trying to solve the problem of what do you do when you're on the back of a dragon? Uh, you have a five foot reach with a great sword. You're just swinging it around willy nilly. You've taken like all these support abilities and you just can't hit, hit anything. The best thing to do is usually get off the dragon, right? Uh, but if you, you need to have a good ranged attack somehow. And up until this point, you've been strength based, but you have a good charisma. Now you're just going to lean all into charisma because you're going to take for your cantrip Eldritch Blast. Uh, at this point, probably you don't need Booming Blade, but Eldritch Blast. And the two um, invocations you're going to take are not Agonizing Blast. Uh, that would be the smart move. No, no, no. Th that would be the, the, uh, the min-max move. No, you are taking Repelling Blast and Grasp of Hadar. And you are minorly, slightly reflavoring your eldritch blast not as a beam of crackling energy that everybody can see but as an invisible telekinetic push or pull so you're on top of that dragon you point at someone and what happens they get knocked off whatever mount they're on mm. if if you're doing flying combat like no save doesn't matter if you have advantage from mounted um uh, mounted combatant like just hey you fall off or mm -hmm. I'm flying around, you're on a tower, right? Because how else are you going to reach me? Great. Grasp of Hadar, uh, you move 10 feet toward me, come here, and now you fall. Yep. Uh, plus, also you take damage, right? And it's force damage, which is nice, which is exactly what would happen if it was a telekinetic grip crushing you. And then uh, you get useful spells, hold person, so your dragon can maul them or eat them. A mind spike uh, probably only would use against... A mind flare so that you can track them no matter if they fly away or turn invisible or whatever uh, you can turn yourself invisible as well and then i also like spider climb because look people are going to try and knock you off your dragon they are and if you have spider climb well you don't need to make any climb checks uh, or probably even acrobatics checks to stay on your dragon if you just want to like walk around it or like walk under it or like walk yep. on its head i'm just spider climbing <laughs> how undignified <laughs> well yeah yeah uh but you are loyal to me it says here in this book so i'm gonna make sure you die before you graduate and then after that it's ranger to 15 you get a breath weapon 
uh, the drake becomes large. You can uh, be on the mount uh, as it flies. You are now truly and ultimately a dragon rider. You've got reflexive resistance, so you can decide where the damage goes, which makes both of you quite beefy. Um, and then I'd say the ranger spell that is best here is locate creature. What creature? Mind flares. Mind flares. Gets, gets their <laughs> eyes. You know, <laughs> hey, did any of these awful people are they? Or you know, actually, <laughs> if now you're fighting Vlacketh, get Yankee. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and the nice thing about locate creatures, it gives you the exact position within, I think it's like a thousand feet or whatever. So very handy. Mm-hmm. And there you have it. Well, before we wrap up, we want to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for us to keep doing this show. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all of our rewards at patreon.com slash total party thrill. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to support the show and help other people find us. If you do, we'll read it on the air. So what do you have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about adventuring in forests, which I think is a thing that happens on occasion. Mm, Sometimes. Mm -hmm. And in the character creation forge? It is now finally time for the Temple Raider of Oladamara to shine. Or I guess not shine. Yeah, to dull. Mm -hmm. Fade. Well, that's it for episode 355 of Total Party Thrill. I hope you lived up to our name. But either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. 